Welcome to Copyright Clearance Center's podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Velocity of Content. It's Friday, November 4th, 2022. Today, as we do every week, we check in with Publishers Weekly on news from the world of books and publishing. Andrew Albanese, PW Senior Writer, joins me today from New York City. Welcome back to the program, Andrew. Hey there, Chris. On Monday, Halloween, federal judge Florence Pan handed out a trick for Penguin Random House and a treat for the U.S. Department of Justice. Her ruling blocked PRH's acquisition of its big five rival, Simon & Schuster. Thus far, reaction across the industry, at least on social media, has been to celebrate the decision. Yeah, as you say, big news this week. Judge Florence Pan issued an order on Halloween. I was literally trick-or-treating with my kids when I, I got the alert in joining Penguin Random House from acquiring Simon & Schuster. I don't think that's a huge surprise for people who were either in the courtroom or following the coverage, um, Publishers Weekly or in the media in general. Uh, it did seem like this is where we were heading. But in a twist... The public opinion, Pan's public opinion, was not yet made available. Um, the parties are now in the process of agree- agreeing on redactions to protect conflict information. So we, we don't know the exact legal reasoning behind the decision here, which means that in a week or two, we're going to get to talk about this all again uh, once we have the written opinion. But what we have so far is an order. And that order notes that upon review of the extensive record and careful consideration of the party's arguments, at least that's what Pan wrote in her order, the government has successfully showed that the effect of the proposed merger would be to substantially lessen competition in the market for U.S. publishing rights for anticipated top-selling books. And on that finding, she has blocked the deal. Uh, The order, of course, comes a little over two months since the conclusion of that blockbuster trial in August, it captivated the publishing industry, and it comes nearly two years since Penguin Random House uh, parent Bertelsmann first announced its proposed acquisition of Simon & Schuster, which is a subsidiary of Viacom CBS, uh, for a hefty $2.175 billion price tag. That's well over the $1.7 billion, $1.8 billion we thought might be at the top of the range. Uh, And then, of course, on November 2nd, 2021, uh, the U.S. Department of Justice announced that they would sue to block the deal with U.S. Attorney Merrick Garland saying the deal, if consummated, would give Penguin Random House unprecedented control over this important industry. And as you say, Chris, reaction across the industry has largely been to celebrate the decision. Now, I'm sure our listeners who have seen the reaction on social media have seen tweets from best-selling author Stephen King, among others. Uh, King, who, of course, testified at the merger trial on behalf of the government, uh, said the decision was never about – or excuse me, said the proposed deal was never about readers and writers. It was always about money. And, of course, the Authors Guild has been trumpeting this decision uh, loudly, too, celebrating the fact that this is now not going forward. The Authors Guild, of course, has been strongly opposed to the merger and has really fought against this kind of industry consolidation for decades. Authors Guild President Doug Preston called the ruling a major victory. Um, I think that's maybe a bit of an overstatement. But CEO Mary Rasenberger made a more solid point in her remarks, saying that the ruling showed that the court understands that monopsonies, uh, you know, the concentration of power among one or a few large buyers are as harmful to competition as monopolies where the sellers control pricing. And I would absolutely agree with that, uh, except to say that we haven't really seen the final decision. So I'm not really sure what the court understands or, you know, purports to understand in its ruling just yet. Penguin Random House executives immediately suggested they would appeal the ruling, though the participation of Simon & Schuster in such an appeal may not be certain. 
Yeah. You know, as you might expect, Penguin Random House and Simon & Schuster officials both expressed disappointment. In an official statement, PRH officials said they strongly disagreed with the decision and would be requesting an expedited appeal. Now, as you know, something to point out here, while the public has yet to see the decision because of these confidentiality issues, the parties here have certainly seen the opinion. And I bear that in mind when I hear Penguin Random House officials say, that this decision was, quote, utterly wrong and political. That's according to Penguin Random House CEO Marcus Dole, who made those remarks from the stage at the Sharjah International Book Fair. And I think this is a bit of a clue as to maybe what's in the opinion. For example, when Penguin Random House officials call out the Department of Justice's focus on advances to the world's best paid authors instead of consumers or the intense competitiveness of the publishing sector, This, according to the Penguin Random House uh, statement, what my read is that PRH lawyers really think that Judge Pan's inexperience in antitrust law makes this decision vulnerable. They think she got this wrong on the law and the facts. But I can tell you, having been in the court and having read the filings, I think it's unlikely that PRH gets a reversal on the facts here. On the other hand, whether a more experienced group of judges, the appeals court, Supreme Court even perhaps, might read antitrust law differently here? Well, we have certainly seen that happen before. Uh, Meanwhile, I think things are a lot more complicated for Simon & Schuster when it comes to whether or not they should pursue an appeal. Of course, because the company and its employees remain in limbo. You know, Simon & Schuster employees have worked for almost three years now under a cloud of first being put up for sale and then for going through this process. And you really have to feel for For John Karp, who's the CEO of Simon & Schuster, who took the helm in March of 2020 after the sudden death of then-CEO Carolyn Reedy and immediately was sort of thrust into this boardroom drama. Meanwhile, all Simon & Schuster has done over the last few years is post remarkably strong record sales. In a message to staff this week, Karp attempted to reassure Simon & Schuster staff that despite this news, life goes on and the company will continue to thrive. And as time goes by... I think that's going to be more and more of a challenge. You know, last week we talked about layoffs and belt tightening in the publishing industry. And, you know, this failed merger attempt could certainly add to the financial pressure already evident in this strained economy. Now, as for next steps, Penguin Random House officials initially said they'd be requesting an expedited appeal. But I think an appeal is far from certain, as you know, because Simon & Schuster and their corporate owner, Paramount, they have to be on board with this. And I question why they would be. You know, why continue to pile up legal fees and run a business you pledged to divest years ago on the slim chance that this deal might actually get to go through when you could put the company back on the market, maybe for a lower price, but, you know, you could secure a buyer rather quickly, then you could actually complete that purchase, right? And you could actually end this holding pattern. And remember, too, there's, I believe, a 10% breakup fee here from Penguin Random House. So that money would, you know, even if they got a lower price, there would be that money as well to sort of sweeten the pot. It's it's all going to get incredibly complex. That's my observation going forward here. There's a really tough balancing act because nothing is as it was in 2020 when PRH first made its massive offer to buy Penguin Random House. Financing is more expensive. Everything is more expensive, right? And the publisher's bottom lines, as we talked about last week, are under stress. Uh, And in a stroke of timing, actually, Paramount had an investor call this week, and they didn't talk about this decision. uh, But you can read about what they did talk about on the PW site. And I'll give you the takeaway. And that's that Simon & Schuster's sales slowed in the third quarter 
but we're still pretty torrid, up 10% over 2021, which of course was a very strong sales year. Thank you, Colleen Hoover. Um, but I think here's the thing to watch, and that's costs, because profits were flat. So here you have 10% sales growth and yet flat profits. And that's owing to the economy and headwinds in the economy and inflation and, and printing costs and supply chain and all that stuff that we've been talking about. So it isn't like there's a ton of untapped innovation to come in the book business or room to raise prices here. I think if you've made the decision to divest your publishing business, you might want to pull that off sooner rather than later. And one final thing too, is that I don't think you can discount the intense negative reaction to this deal among the public, within the industry, and in the government. I mean, just the reaction celebrating the decision to block the deal underscores, I think, just how much the rest of the world really doesn't want this deal to happen. And that has to be a consideration for Simon Schuster executives on some level, uh, because SNS really is a crown jewel of the book business. It's incredibly valuable. And there has to be an easier path out there, even if that path is growing more complicated by, you know, external economic forces. In its own statement, the Authors Guild celebrated the ruling and AG President Doug Preston said this is the first time a court has recognized what authors and the Authors Guild have been arguing for decades, that consolidation among publishers hurts authors. The Department of Justice likewise hailed the verdict as a victory for authors, readers and the free exchange of ideas. Assistant AG Jonathan Cantor added that the decision is also a victory for workers more broadly. It reaffirms that the antitrust laws protect competition for the acquisition of goods and services from workers. So what's your reaction, Andrew, to those reactions? Yeah, it's fair to say it's a victory, but I'm not sure how big of a victory it is just yet for anyone, to be perfectly honest. And I'll remind our listeners that when the DOJ first filed suit to block this deal. The Authors Guild issued a statement saying that unless the Biden administration and Congress act to reform antitrust laws in response to Amazon, that you know even quashing this deal would prove to be too little too late. So it's hard for me to square this as a major victory when two years ago you were saying, even if you quash this deal, it's going to be too little too late. And I agree with the Authors Guild. There's been so much water under the consolidation bridge that you know there's a lot that has to be fixed here. Um, and Amazon is certainly on that agenda, I would, I would think. So, you know, I, I do think it's fine to celebrate the DOJ's win. I, I think the Authors Guild officials still would acknowledge that, you know, this isn't quite the victory we're after here, uh, at least not yet. And again, I think it's important to remember the nature of this case. Unlike the more common monopoly cases the government usually brings, this case did not rest on allegations of potential consumer harm, but it focused on these author advance payments. As, as Mary Rasenberger noted in her statement, an allegation of monopsony as opposed to monopoly. Specifically, our listeners will recall that the government argued that allowing Penguin Random House, which was already the largest U.S. trade publisher by a wide margin, to swallow up one of its major rivals for book rights was going to lead to fewer bidders for rights and it was going to cause advances to suffer. Um, as the government put it, letting PRH buy SNS would, and I'll quote them here, cement uh, Penguin Random House's place at the top of the industry because that combined firm in the market for best-selling books, for rights for best-selling books, which is where the money is in this industry, would be almost as large as the remaining three big four publishers combined. PRH lawyers, of course, unsuccessfully attempted to paint a very different picture of the competition for book rights. They insisted that Penguin Random House, which 
you know, all credit due, they are an excellent, well-run publishing operation, that PRH would actually be the best home for Simon & Schuster. But here's why I think, you know, the Authors Guild and the idea of this being a great victory, that may be just a little premature. And it's a point we've made on this show before. And that the fact is that someone is going to buy Simon & Schuster. And it could be another one of the big five. And a number of them have expressed interest if Simon Schuster were to go back on the market. And I think it's highly unlikely that a deal by one of the other big five publishers to acquire Simon Schuster is going to face any regulatory issues. Now, back in 2020, the Authors Guild called on the DOJ not only to block the Penguin Random House deal, but to refuse to allow any further consolidation in the U.S. publishing industry. And I think this suit, even though it was successful, suggests that maybe the government isn't likely to challenge any of the other big publishers acquiring Simon & Schuster. I would actually argue that blocking this deal is, and I think you know the Authors Guild and Doug Preston would agree with me, it may indeed be too little too late for the publishing business, at least when it comes to things like author advances. You know, there was a moment at the trial, I think, that crystallized things for me in this case. And that's when Hachette CEO Michael Peach told lawyers that if Simon Schuster came back on the market, he hoped Hachette would, you know, go for it and make that deal. And defense lawyers said, oh, so you're not opposed to consolidation. And Peach was quick to point out that, no, he's not opposed to consolidation. Uh, he was just opposed to Penguin Random House getting Simon & Schuster because that company would simply be too big. And I think that line of thinking tells us what we need to know. A Penguin Random House and Simon & Schuster combination really would have been massive and too big. But this case probably was not about stopping mergers and consolidation cold in the publishing industry, uh, just this merger, which clearly was problematic. And even if you're encouraged that the DOJ and the courts got this one right, and I think you can be encouraged that they got this one right, I think we could still see a big four publishers in, in the short term. And I do think that authors' advances will continue to face pressure. Andrew Albanese, Publishers Weekly Senior Writer, thanks for joining me on the program. My pleasure, as always. That's all for now. Our producer is Jeremy Brisky of Burst Marketing. You can subscribe to the program wherever you go for podcasts, and please do follow us on Twitter and on Facebook. I'm Christopher Keneally. Thanks for listening to this Velocity of Content podcast from CCC.